Love Talk Radio. Navigator Robert Batista. The Funky Writer Show has been called the Funky Eclectic Outlet for all wordsmiths and literati. Now celebrating over six years of dynamic Writers Talk Radio. Check me out on Twitter by going to at author R Batista. Today, your host will be in the catbird seat and discuss his acclaimed novel, Brooklyn Story, on its 10th anniversary of publication, and whet the appetites for its long-awaited sequel, Naked in the Jungle. I am joined by my brilliant co-host, Glenn Ford. Welcome, Glenn Ford, to the Funky Writers Show. Thank you, Robert, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. And uh, the story is something worth talking about. Well, it's that and so much more as you and I have discussed for years. Uh, you are with me. Uh, of course, you started the company Word is Bond with me. Uh, you were with me uh, for so many of my early writings as my as my. Um, as the person who basically just went through everything and just uh, told me, Robert, you're on the right track. I remember when we took the pieces out to be published and no one would publish them. You were the one that said, Robert, publish it yourself. And that's when Incident on 43rd Street, my first publication, was born. And since then, you've been my trusted editor, and if anybody else can talk about Brooklyn's story, it is you, Glenn Ford. And um, one of the reasons why we're doing this show also is that I was I came across this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant review by a person who remains nameless because they signed it as anonymous. And it was back in 2007. And when I went over the review that, this person put a Brooklyn story. I was flabbergasted where to say that, boy, did this person get what I was trying to bring across. Um, and then I sent it to you, Glenn, and you looked at it and you said, wow, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, Let he, me ask you a question first. Really. Let me first start off by saying, Glenn, when you read that person's review, how did you feel? Uh, I was impressed in his ability to, to see the piece and the, the, the esoteric part of it. And um, I even mentioned the fact that there's a lot of so-called stories written about our community. And he thought at the time he read the book that it was going to be the same thing. But lo and behold, when he read it, he was pleasantly surprised to find out this was, story was different. This story had life. This story, it bled. It literally bled on the pages and in, in his heart. And he wrote and it, uh, reviewed it, it. It just knocked me out. It just, I mean, blew me out the water. I said, who is this guy? But he got it. He really did get it, Rob. He really did. Well, he opens up, excuse me, with his review. He says, ostensibly, Brooklyn Story would appear to be a garden variety urban fiction tale of gangsters, drug dealers, and glamorized street life, chronicling uh-huh. the perils of fast lives and even faster deaths. But at its heart, Robert Batista's narrative is a touching treatise of love, true life pain, and the consequences of the psychological scarring left behind the wake of homes crushed under the weight of societal indifference. Uh, First off, first (laughs) off, he says, a touching treatise of love, because if Brooklyn Story is anything, it's a love story. It's a love story between David and Sonny. It's a love story between David and and Diamond. Of course, you got to uh-huh. think about and talk about that love story. And it's a love story between David and Sticks. I mean, well, David I, and Sticks were boys. Yeah, but you know what? It's actually it's that, and and, and I totally agree with that. I think it's a love story with all of them because each relationship on how they saw each other gets hit. And right. Sticks and David were close. But uh, D-Dub and him was close, Paul and him were close, but in different aspects. You know? Right, right. So there was relationships in, in each and every one of them, all right, some more defined than others. But I, I think the love was nonetheless in terms of each other. They just saw each other kind of like accepted each other for who they were. And that, that's, I got that part. That's the part that really got to me is the love aspect that they had. I mean, they had with the, but the love aspect that they had within themselves. I mean, that that kind of union. Right, because if you look at Diamond, you look at Sticks, you look at David, these guys were leading macho lives. They were ball players. They were living in the hood where they had to be, as David put it, iceberg slim at all times. Right. But yet right. they had basically the heart to also have that love for each other. Right. But what also Anonymous right. says, Glenn, is that he talks about the consequences of the psychological scarring left behind in the wake of homes crushed under the weight of societal indifference. Talk about that societal indifference that he's discussing. You know, um, I have a book and story in front of me, and, and, and there is a quote and at the bottom, I'm sure you're aware of it, and, but it says, sometimes the most important thing a son needs is to hear his father say, I love you. So true. Um, society, societal structure and our community where we grew up um, uh, is 
one one of the things that you mentioned in the book that that, that the character mentions is that you know most communities when we were growing up in the sixties, okay, they were talking about doctors and lawyers, and I remember so clearly as I read this how I thought and what I looked up to when I was a child. I was like Daisy, you know. I mean, I was impressed right. by the pimps, the hustlers, the gangsters. That that enthralled me. I mean, that captured me. It drew me. It was like something, and I understand the character as being drawn into that because that was what was acceptable. That was, even though you know they would say you don't want this life, but it was just it was. I don't think it was the flashiness. It was something different. But even though we saw the doctors and the lawyers, they seemed to be disconnected from us. Whereas right. um, the the hustlers, the street guys, weren't disconnected. They wouldn't even take time to even speak with us and stuff like that. As you saw that um, exactly. Diamond, you know, kind of took you know Davy under him and actually became like an older brother. So. Right. In those kind of situations, the societal structure in our community is a little different than the size structure in other communities, particularly, uh, unfortunately, um, that lifestyle, okay, is it, it, very treacherous, And as, as he found out. And a lot of times, you know, you're exposed to that at a, at a young age, and unfortunately, and, and it becomes an, an acceptance of your life that, you know, um, this is the way it is. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I think, no, fortunately, let me take that back. I think the most important aspect of this is this love. Because in spite of that, in spite of all that is going around, these guys had the ability to care something more than they, they were otherly towards each other, and they were otherly towards other people in the community. So, I mean, and, and to be able to manifest that self within themselves, and have that kind of camaraderie, and and I, you know, you and I know what we're talking because we've been there and understand that feeling. I mean, it's 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 a brotherhood deeper than blood. It's 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 something that you feel inside your spirit that allows you to know that you know this is my boy, this is my partner, this is my age, and um, and and it kind yeah. of manifests into towards a friendship that you know that can't be broken. Yeah, and a good case in point after they win that big game up in the Bronx and basically have to fight their way out of that gymnasium. Right. Uh, right. Sticks is getting ready to fight Butchie, right. you know, uh, uh, and they, they they he talks him into giving him a fair fight. And, right. you know, there's maybe 10 of, of the Albany, Brooklyn guys, and there's like right. 100 of the Bronx guys. But right. Davey tells Sticks as he's taping up his hand, if he stomps you, I'm jumping in. In other words, right. Davey tells him, I'm, I'm going to be right there. I'm not going to let him stomp you, you know, right. you know, regardless of what the consequences are. I mean, and, that's and, no. and damn the odds. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. but but then the next thing that um, Anonymous says here is the action in Brooklyn story is centered around young David, affectionately known as Davey, who learns much about life in the unforgiving streets of New York City. An accomplished athlete with a good head on his shoulders, Davey has a promising future, but one that is threatened by his de facto affiliation with the likes of Diamond, the local drug kingpin. You know, Glenn, calling Diamond just a local drug 
kingpin to me is a disservice. Diamond was so much yeah, more. Yeah. Well, then again, uh, uh, see, uh, uh, no, no disservice to him. But see, that from his from his perspective, I, I kind of get it. For us who were there and us who knew the diamonds in the world, uh, he was he was a lot more than that, you know. Um, he was he was a big brother. He was a nurturer. He was a big brother. He was a friend, and sometimes even played the father role, which David didn't have in his life. Right. Um, his father was there, but I mean, when he needed instruction, when he wanted instead of going to his dad, which he couldn't go. He counted on Diamond to to instruct him in the things of life as a man, as a young man growing up. So yeah, um, he did do um, the character a disservice because the character is very important in the story and very important to um, to the main character Davy. Um, Extremely, uh, it, almost it, his his relationship with him almost cost him his life because of the choices that he made and the love that he had. For him, because of who he was, so yeah, he's um, he's more than that, you know. And we've known people who made bad choices, but that didn't make them bad people. He writes, Davy bonds with Diamond in ways he only wishes he could with his own father, Tank, who has always avoided establishing a substantive relationship with his son. Let's talk about Tank and why you think he always avoided that relationship with David. Oh, yeah, well, uh, and, uh, a lot of you times... Know, like you said, in the, in the first part of the book, you know, I, I, all, Tank, all David wanted was Tank's love. I mean, you know, right. like you just right. mentioned earlier. Well, one of the things that we, we discussed before, in order to love someone somebody else you have to have a love for yourself how true so, uh, I, <laughs> I I think Tank had a, uh, a general dislike of himself so it was difficult for him to and I kind of been there you know where you know you know that's why because show touched me in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways because I had a time where you know I wanted something from my dad it's not that he was unwilling to give it he was incapable of giving it all right. I mean, that's the way that is because it was something. Love is something that's nurtured when you're young and stuff like that. And and if you're never put in that position for it to, to flourish and grow and um and and create a sensitivity, because as you know, growing up, if you show any sense of sign of sensitivity, it was a sign of weakness. And um, so here's Tank who believes that the only way you can be a good parent or a good father is to supply the financial and the necessities in life, the things that you can see, the, the tangible things, like the food or the roof over the head, the, the necessary clothing, whereas love is not tangible. It's intangible, and it's something that he had difficulties dealing with, and he could not show not He couldn't even show that to, to himself. Probably not even his wife, but he sure couldn't show it with his, with his son. It says here, make no mistake, Brooklyn story contains many more gems about life in the New York streets of the late 60s, including many references to the popular music, real-time reactions to the deaths of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy, and reminiscings of love gone both good and bad. And 
you go back to that popular music uh, of the 60s, Motown, Stax, Watts, Lala Means I Love You, Ooh Baby Baby, Dancing the Hustle and the Grind. It almost takes us back into those times. Am I right, G? Yeah. <laughs> Brought me right there. Yes, it did. And and I know my son once told me one time, he listened to the music, he said, God, man, you guys, all you thought about is love and, and compassion and, and, and being with somebody, having a closeness in a relationship. And I never thought about it from a, from a, another person who wasn't in that generation about it, but from another generation looking at it that way and listening to the music, all right, it was like, you know, I mean, they don't have parties where, you know, you desire without the sex, but having a desire, having a closeness with a woman to smell her and, and her hair and what she has on, even just to drink in her essence and, and those kind of things. When you're youth, you know, I mean, actually you get, a, you get an opportunity to really get to to know them in a, in a very different kind of way than what they do now. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, one of the things reading um, this book is to how I feel like how blessed we were to grow up in that period of time because that period has passed, and I don't ever think we'll ever see a generation of people or a decade like that again. I mean, when when I write that the the fast jams were mysteriously misplaced and the red light bulbs came in. And then everybody two-stepped over to the wall and started grinding against the wall up and down in one uh, yeah, loop motion. Stuff. You can feel that, G. You can see it. You can feel it. Yeah. You know, you, oh, your I'm head can it, it feel was, the sweat. Yeah. 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 It, was, it, was, yeah it was a great, and it brought back a lot of great memories. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you captured it so well. You really did. And, and, and being a part of that, and living that, you know, you did. You, you could almost smell the sweat. You could feel it, you know. I was sitting in the air conditioning room getting hot. <laughs> yeah, there were no air conditioning rooms back then. That's why they call those parties sweat boxes. Remember that? Boxes, yeah. Really, yeah, you have to come outside just to breathe, right? That's right. It yeah. Be, hey, what's the party air. like? Oh, it's a sweat box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you captured that, oh, and that that whole that whole thing, and, and even I don't know if they do it as much now, but remember the time when they used to get together? There was a preparation before you went too. You know, I mean, you had to get dressed. You know, you had to look a certain way. You oh know, yeah, you took I meticulous mean, care yeah, of how you looked, man. Meticulous you know, care of your clothes. Prep. You have to. Yeah, you just couldn't walk on the scene. You have to prep yourself. You got to get yourself in that right frame of mind. And then Kathy had, you know, they got the chance to drink the little wine, little pluck before they go. Just to get the tongue up, a little you know. loose. <laughs> yeah, right. Give them that little confidence that they needed. That's so, right. I mean, yeah, That's it's, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's really oh, an essence. Again, that goes shows that that brotherhood, that that um. That friendship that they that they existed, and a, and a period of time that was very poignant growing up in in, in the sixties. I think I see the writer who wrote that kind of you know getting probably gets even know it thing. He didn't really understand or get that the sixties right. was was a very integral there. Man, we watched a president get murdered. Uh, civil rights leaders, I know, and I mean, even though see the the newspapers didn't 
didn't really, really respond to uh, Malcolm like the community did. But we knew that we lost a great leader, as well as Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. Right. And, and, um, and then also the period of time where the Black Panther Party became. Right. And then uh, the Weathermen. Uh, uh, the SDS, uh, the Weathermen, the SDS, Young Lord. I mean, oh, man, everything, man. The My Life Massacre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everything was going on. The police officers everything. that that got snipered in um in the village. I mean, there was just there was this was a very explosive decade, and and then to have these young men in the midst of this and still manage to 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 establish or at least attempt to establish, okay. Love relationships, you know, around them, you know, or with each other, and um, yeah, and we know we have to talk about exactly. We know we have to talk about the opposite sex love relationships of the Catholic Mm -hmm. school girls. So remember now, (laughs) now hold that thought about Catholic school girls, because that's one thing I definitely made a, a mention of when they're walking down to the basement and they see the girls in their short dresses and their plaited skirts and uniforms, right, right. and the first thing that goes up in their brain is Catholic school girls from from St. Saint, Saint Michael's Academy. And he writes here, Having found true love with the regal Sonny, one can only assume that Davy would be less likely to cheat on her with her friend, quote, unquote, the disarmingly beautiful and deceptive princess. If a strong, wise father figure were available to help advise him on his conflicted feelings. Now, now Davy and Sonny are together, and, and then out of nowhere comes Princess. But let's talk about Catholic school girls. When you hear that terminology, what does that say to you? <laughs> uh, uh, growing up, that's, that's the girls that, that, that you wanted. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's strange. You brought back all those things in my head. You know, when I was growing, because I mean, maybe because they were the the supposedly the not necessarily the good girl, because you know they weren't good, but there was something yeah. about them. Well, that's that what was, was so good. deceiving about them, Glenn, was right. that you yeah. know they were quote unquote Catholic school girls and and supposedly the good girls, but yet we would laugh because they were the fastest girls on the block. <laughs> exactly, and, and that's the ones who we knew we were attracted because those are the ones they look one way, but you knew there was something something totally different. So and talk about the, the disarming deception, exactly. Right, right, exactly, and that was that was the. The thing, I, one of the things I, I do want to address, I, I kind of disagree with again with with the um, with the reviewer. You know, um, when you're when you're young, and I don't think his dad, you know, could have changed that situation that happened with him and Princess Davy and Princess, because one of the things is that he had gotten advice, and we and I, you and I had talked about this earlier. And I think you hit it on the head when you said you were at that age. You know, a lot of times you you know you are disillusioned in the power that you believe that you have over women. And uh, he went into this situation thinking that he had more control over the situation than he did, and in actuality he didn't. And he found out it was too late. <laughs> he fell for a 
exactly what he knew that she was going to do. So I right. think part of that is is um is the uh, the the path that we have traveled. I I know for a fact that I've made that same type of mistake. And right. I'm sure you have too. You know, a lot of us have. <laughs> my bad. Shouldn't have done that. And, right. And and because you, you believe that we had more power in the situation, but the alluring of of, of an attractive woman. It, it kind of you know, validates us as being lovers, and you kind of like you forget you're using the wrong head, and you forget about. Oh, you get to the point, you say, "You know what? I'll deal with it after it's done." Okay, exactly, <laughs> and that's exactly what he says. Sorry, Stick. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Sonny. Right now, you know, I'm only thinking about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you know, and he pays the it. price for it later, but at, at that one point, an incident, that's all he cares about. And he says, let the chips fall where they may. But, but what he liked here was also, so honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was I honest to was himself. So honest. Yeah. You know, but it's honest with, 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 with young young guys in the neighborhood do. I mean, I mean and, and you know what? And deep down, there really wasn't any malice involved. I mean, when you get caught up into something sometime and you're 16, 15 years old, and all of a sudden you're getting the type of attention that you know that that you crave as an individual anyway, and, and now this person and 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 he knew it prior to that how she felt about it. So you know, it feels right. good about somebody that wants you like that, that willing to right. take chances like that. Right. Kind of, even though her girlfriend, like, even though her boyfriend, exactly. Yeah. So you, know, you get caught up in like you know after it's over you go like oh my god what have I done but you know again you're thinking with the wrong head so I mean I think that's it's a rite of passage unfortunately when you grow up in in, in our neighborhood those things happen and you do pay the price for it okay sometimes emotional physically both all right but um there, but there's growth in it there's growth in it yeah. as a person. And, now, and I think he he learned a lot from it. Yes. Now, moving on, um, he writes, um, by inspiring such musics, musings in the reader, Brooklyn's story is more the anti-urban fiction tale, a refreshing departure from superficial glamorizations of sensationalized street life. Instead, focusing on the root Causes are precisely how that life came to be. That was it. That was it. Because that's exactly what I wanted to convey and bring across. The root cause. Not anything superficial like a lot of these books of, of the of the hood are today. Yeah, but I take yeah, you deep yeah. inside the root cause of what happened. So, And there are so many root causes, G. And, and and you mentioned yeah, and, and you mentioned the um, you mentioned the uh, um, the parents and and um, you 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 watch the dichotomy of with Stick's mother and his right. sister dealing with her let her lesbianism. All right, I mean, there's lots of books that even deal with that and, and, and trying to come to grips with that in the '60s. Okay, all right. That you know, it wasn't even accepted, and if anything was so hushed. I mean, it showed that you know, as parents, they had difficulties, and then we had the. Uh, I, I I kind of felt for oh, Davy 
because you know he's constantly his father was always constantly comparing him to D Dub. Why can't you be like D Dub? Like, oh be my like god! Like, god, like he probably said, "You say that to me one more time, I'm going to yeah. kill him." So you don't have to worry yeah. about. Yeah, comparing. can you imagine that? The worst thing a parent can do is compare. <laughs> yes, you know, to the yeah. to the good kid, to the good kid, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you know, he never did anything wrong, and, and the exactly. fact that Davey knew a different, he knew a different DJ than exactly, than exactly. Knew. You know, so, uh, but yeah, it captured that that the essence of of family, which you don't see in these other books. I mean, it captured a, a realism, um, a, a sense of realism. Not just for the time, but for the people who are living in that time. And I thought that was so great. You know, you captured the 60s. You captured the moment of the thinking of the 60s and the kids growing up in that in that in that time. You really did. So, 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 you know that I would have to at least read a portion, a very small portion. But a portion of a Brooklyn story, and you did let me know that you loved when it says that the hoods were shamelessly glorified. I love that part. But I want to read the part where when David and Diamond are sitting in Diamond's crib and Diamond basically confesses to him what he went through, And and they're holding each other. And then yeah. you in David's head, what Davy says here, listen to this. Right, right. I sat there motionless, slowly comprehending the enormity of what I had just heard and was now seeing my boy, my hero, Diamond, crying like a baby right in front of me. He'd been hurt, bad, and my heart absorbed his pain. I realized then and there that everything in the world would no longer be the same. Nothing was absolute anymore. Everyone was unmasked, and there was no longer a need to see things in black and white. Everything now was colored, textured, and layered. Every drop of water contained a boundless ocean. Every ray of light projected the brilliance of the sun. Yeah, that's, that that was. Um, I think the, the line that gets to me: "My heart absorbed his pain." His pain. Wow. And that's yeah, why when they I both, mean. and that's why you can feel when they both promise each other that promise. Yeah. And why yeah. Yeah. both both of them kept their promise actually. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and and see, we talk, and see, here's the thing that that that's so impressive about that. I wish that young people would get, you know, when we talk about word is bond, you know, they kept their word. Diamond kept his kept his word even at the at the expense of his life. Yep. Yep. He knew that if he stayed there, his life was at risk. Yeah, his yep. word to his friend was that if you believe, if I believe, oh, I know that you're in trouble, I'm going to be there. So he put his life, Davy's life, above his own. There was okay. a contract and on Diamond's head. Yeah, exactly. And that wasn't an issue with him. It was an issue until he found out that um, Davy's six had, had really beat him up real bad. So... 
he wasn't concerned anymore about contract. He was concerned about his friend's life, and uh, and it cost him his life, you know, because he was concerned about that. And um, Davy was willing to lose his life, right, um, to give up his of, life. Yeah, because of what happened to Diamond, because of what they said in that paragraph you just read, because they came in an agreement saying that your life is my life and my life is your life. <clears throat> and I'm getting touched, wow. just touched just thinking about it. Like, wow, that's me really too, a man. very, very heavy thing. And the way me he too, died, I, I read oh, that tomorrow, man. the way he died, that she peered oh, up when she read God. that. Uh, exactly. So, so Anonymous wraps it up by saying, Batista's tale is guaranteed to tug at your heartstrings. And, and you and I are just about ready to tear up right now. And, and he, he, he nails it. He says, it's guaranteed to tug at your heartstrings and awaken within you the same sense of higher consciousness that comes to Davy in the end. And it's almost too late. By sharing Brooklyn's story with the world, though, one can only hope that Batista will help prevent thousands of others, just like Davy, from reaching the same tragic fate to which they seem so inexplorably bound. Wow, yeah, what a great review. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's, that's it, you know. I mean, Higher that, consciousness, that is, G? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's, you know, in your, in your subconscious, it was about, you know, you know, I remember... When we used to walk the streets, we actually walked the projects and 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 just getting an idea of 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 certain things, just like a feel of that, and um, knowing that you know, I I have a responsibility with the, with the gift that God has given me to yep. tell stories that will reshape the thinking of the youth of the day. Yep, and yep. And, and that's that's that's. And he hit it. He got it. He, I, when I read that, I said, wow, he got it. So, exactly G, you it. and I both have the book in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. And you read you read the bottom, and the bottom is so mm-hmm. so true. But what about the picture? What about the, the photograph of the projects? But but what's in front of the book? Yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, the fence. What does that tell you? Oh, uh, well, like they're fenced in. They're fenced in. There's a peek into the inside of where their lives are, and, and it's so different from what everybody else is living. And the thing about that is true. What is that line he says about the ghetto? I'm uh, going to read it to you right now. It's, it's David's <laughs> mother. It's his mother who tells him when he says, why do you want to move? Why do we? And she tells him. And it's it's you see the, the the pointed symbolism of the fence when she says, when we first moved to the projects, they called our neighborhood Crown Heights. It was real right. nice. It was clean and safe. Right. There was a lot of white families living with us, and we all got along really well. And we looked out for each other's children. Now they say our projects are in Bedford Stuyvesant, the ghetto, and little by little, all the Irish. Italian and Jewish families moved out. Right. Only our right. people are left now, the Puerto Ricans, the Negroes, and the boundaries of the ghetto keep moving along with us, growing right. and spreading right. like
like a cancer. Yeah. And, and, and that's how so poignant true. that fence is. Yeah. And it's so true. It's so true. It really is. It's absolutely really true. Um, um, so when you look at the guy, cover, you see exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's, and um, it's, it's when you when you're when you live when the street and they call it the street the living in the street and it's that whole it's a mentality. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that that amazes me. And when you speak with these young the young people today, they make it seem like it was invented today. Yeah. And like this thinking goes back way beyond you even being conceived or even thought of. So it's not unique uh, in terms of that type of thinking. But what I think was happening with you is that since you from that, you've allowed yourself to evolve. And then now you have the ability to write about it and, and, and write about the evolution of your characters, all right, to show that there are other ways in your life that you can take. Yes, there is a rite of passage, but you have, we, we always have a choice in terms of what we need to do. One of the things that I like about your writing and about your character is the rawness of each and every character. And, and and even though they may be good people, they have they have faults like other people. Yes. Sticks, even though he he's a great ball player, he has issues of self esteem. Yes. You know, he's comfortable with it on the court. All right. Paul, even though he he is great in so many other things, he 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 lacks the athletic ability of some of his friends, and that yes. leaves him, makes him feel like a a, a pirate. Okay, D Dub wants to be in, but he wants to be out. He wants to be both, and he doesn't know where he really fits into this. He knows right. he fits, right? But he doesn't know how he fits. He's feeling, and sometimes he's that square peg in a round hole, but another <laughs> time he's not. But see, it's it's like it's so great about that. And then you got Daisy, and like you know, who's talented and and, and gifted and and uh, wants wants. Most life, but then there's a part of them that's angry and and what's Still, the what about you know? when Sticks found his poetry and and was basically yeah. you know making fun yeah. of him as a writer? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know that as we grew up, when we write all uh, this the consistent kind of stuff, and, and of course that 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 makes you go back further and further into yourself, so you're not really so quick to want to share. And he was, and they was. Really? He was living. He, he was, was living. Yeah. You said the that, reason that, why that I didn't person, show it to you, you because I knew you wouldn't get it. And then you went to some place that wasn't you weren't supposed to go and you did it. Then you're gonna disrespect me and read it out loud and make fun of it on top of it. You know? Uh and yeah, and, and, and that that was anger, but there was also anger in him. See what happens is when you when you living a life where you're so misunderstood, you know, and you're trying to find that place. Where, how do I, we were talking about this before. That's why he's saying, like, where do I fit? You know, and it goes beyond my ability to play basketball. It goes on beyond my ability to play baseball. It goes beyond my ability to have women attracted to me. It goes beyond all that. 
but you know, like who am I? Right. And that, you get a sense of him struggling with this. Who am I? And I really related to that because I, you know, kind of like been there myself. So I kind of like, yeah, I know that feeling, Davy. It's like you know, you have so much to give, but you just don't know how to do it, and you're being pulled in so many different directions. All right, because you're seeking advice, and you know, and you and and and, and you're trying to you know compartmentalize it in a way that it fits into your life, but sometimes it just doesn't fit, and and you and and you get to the point where, you know, like even he, he said when he after he had gotten hurt, he's like, you know, maybe this is. It made this the the best. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. where did all the time go? We're going to have to wrap this up. So let's let's okay. talk about oh, wow. uh, you know, being that Davy, uh, uh, the book Brooklyn Story ends when Davy's only seventeen. You know, there's so much right. more of the story that that has to be told in in part two, which is called Naked in the Jungle. And without giving up any spoilers for Naked in the Jungle, which isn't out yet, and God willing, will be out at the end of this year. Uh, just talk about the book's title and how you think that reflects on what happens in the future, uh, Naked in the Jungle, G. Yeah, basically, you know, life strips you of everything that you find yep. you believe that to be real, and, yep. and you have to reclothe yourself, you know, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and um uh, that's what happens when you're naked in the jungle. Um, and I can't wait for it to be finished. But, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm sure your readers will will follow the journey of Davy because, like he said, there's so much more to tell about his life. Time sure flies when you're having fun. Oh, man. And when you're I talking to... And, and when you're talking to great people. Um, so... I would like to humbly thank Anonymous for one of the most awe-inspiring reviews of my allegorical metaphor, Brooklyn Story. I am also indebtedly grateful for the powerful presence of my esteemed co-pilot and co-navigator, Mr. Glenn Ford. Thank you so thank much, Haki. Thank you. And lastly, lastly, we, as wordsmiths, will always be aware that my blood is my ink. Thank you so much, Glenn. Uh, Peace. Loved it.